Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. Kelly, how was your week? How have you been? Oh, you know, it was great. Um, I've been okay. Okay. Um, Is that all you got? <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm out of practice. I don't know why. It's only been a week. I know. And we had like a two-hour episode last week. I know. I don't know what's going on. I feel like it's been longer than a week. But um, how have you been, Andrew? Well, I've, I have tonsillitis, but I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I mean, I sound uh, um, normal, right? Yeah. Then who Audience, cares? I'm not, I'm not laughing at the fact that Andrew has tonsillitis. You can. Um, it's kind of funny. I Well, I just... It's not necessarily funny, but it's... um. You know, we've been through the song and dance before we started the episode. Um, so, you know, I didn't, I already, you know, we've talked about it. Yeah. So I don't know what I expected when I asked you what's been going on with you. Um, you did ask too. Like you didn't have to set it up for me to say that. You knew what the answer was going to be if you asked. <laughs> I know. I know. Tonsillitis is no fun. Throat issues are no fun. Yeah. But it doesn't uh, affect my speaking voice, which is really peculiar, but I will take it happily. Yeah. That's good. So, shall we get into it, Kelly? Yeah, I think we should get started. So, Nintendo made a little announcement. They stated that they're having a Nintendo Direct on Wednesday, tomorrow, if you're listening on day of recording, June 22nd. It is not a regular Nintendo Direct, though. It is a 20-minute presentation focused on information for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um... I think this is a mixed bag. Here's my perception. There's there's one of two things going on here. As a prerequisite, I'm excited. I love Xenoblade. I'm excited to see more about 3, and a direct is probably the best way to do it versus a bunch of tra- little trailers. But I feel like this either means, one, there is no direct in June outside of this, and either the rumors were like misguided or they perhaps misheard like oh it's a direct but they didn't know it was focused on xenoblade or two there's a big direct coming later in june and they want to take all the xenoblade stuff out so that they don't have to use a bunch of time in the regular direct on xenoblade so i think the one week later's june 29th direct that was rumored is still possible despite there being one on the 22nd yeah i i think it's a little bit weird um just because we're pretty close to the release date and I feel like we've seen a lot of this game already. Um, like the last show that we saw, there was tons of gameplay. There was lots of, um, there was lots of things going on on the screen. <laughs> I think that's probably why they need a direct. Cause like the combat and gameplay look real intricate and like yeah. even having played the last games, I don't really know what's going on. And I think having somebody like quietly sit down and explain it to me in a 20 minute direct might make me more excited. Yeah, it is peculiar, though, that they would have a direct like one week and then immediately right after. I mean, they've done it before. There's been games like like Pokemon has done that regularly, which I know is very different. But I know they've done it for Pokemon. They did it for, I believe, Splatoon 2. Um, there've been quite a few games that have gotten directs right before other directs or right after. So it's not, 
This does not mean anything definitively other than the fact that we are getting a Xenoblade Direct on Wednesday. Yeah. And that's at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time if you're looking forward to watching it. Or uh, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. We have, I think like 80% of our viewership <laughs> is in the Eastern Standard Time. Time zone. Or 8 a.m. Mountain Time. I don't think we have any Mountain Time listeners. Or... 9 a.m. Central Time. I think we have some of those. Or, okay, I'm done. 10 a.m. Eastern. Oh, yeah. Well, we already said that. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep all our bases covered in North America. Yeah. And if you're in other countries, heck off. We don't have time to learn your time zones. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know anything. <laughs> um, so, in other news... From liars. Wow. Sorry, that I don't know where that came from. Uh, um, years of dis, uh, years <laughs> of distrust being established between you and said developer. Um, Bethesda, and by extension Todd Howard, announced that the next game that they're working on after Starfield is uh, Elder Scrolls Six, um, and then after Elder Scrolls Six comes Fallout Five. Um, Elder Scrolls 6 is in pre-production, for those who don't know. Um, which is interesting to me because pre-production is like nothing. It could mean anything. You know what I mean? I'm in pre-production for for being 30 years old. You know what I mean? Like, it could mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Um, Technically, so Fallout 5 is also in pre-production by this definition. Exactly. Um. So, bad. I don't know. And the way that um Todd Howard sort of worded this was very like apologetic. He was like, "Oh, we're trying so hard. We're working so hard. We really want to get these games done. I wish they came out faster." I um, <laughs> which is just like I'm so sick of him. But <laughs> I think um, we're talking about three other developers a lot this week, and that's. Nintendo, which we already talked about, Capcom, which we'll talk about in a minute, and Square Enix, which we'll talk about again for even longer. Those three publishers I look at and I see, wow, these games, like these studios and these publishers know how to put games out. They know how to disperse their resources and make sure they have games coming out regularly and, you know, bring in new talent that they trust to start projects while others are still in development. We don't have to wait for, like, Resident Evil 8 to come out for them to even think about Street Fighter 6. They know that they can spread those out because those are two two different things and two different projects. They don't even do that. Like, even Resident Evil, like they don't wait till one game's out to think about the next. They are already, when they finished Resident Evil 8, I know for 100% certain that Resident Evil 4 Remake was already deep in development. That's how games should be made. Because otherwise you only release one every five to seven years. Which is exactly what Bethesda is doing here. Yeah, it's it's very peculiar. And I think that a studio at this size, it's shocking to me that they don't have separate teams working on separate projects. Yeah. Like, why do they only have one team working on Starfield? And then that same team is going to go on to work on um, Elder Scrolls and then Fallout. It's like, they're different games. You know, there's different stories. It's... It can be delineated in a way where it's like three different teams. 
Though I will propose the argument that sometimes developing games across different teams can be problematic because sometimes the vision for the game sort of gets a little bit lost, um, which is what happened with like Mass Effect Andromeda. It's developed by like a completely different team, and uh, well, it was just kind of a mess. But Bethesda's not very great at withhold or like maintaining a vision anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I I've just. There's something about him mentioning Fallout 5 that made me a little annoyed because I'm like, I don't want to know the list of games that you're releasing for the next, like, 15 years. I don't. That's annoying. Yeah, it's also like, I don't know. Why did you think we wanted Fallout 76 when most Fallout players don't want the big multiplayer Fallout game? They want the story-driven Fallout New Vegas, Fallout three kind of games just doesn't make sense to me well if you're looking for a story driven game Kelly I know of one that you would love oh would I love it it's a little game developed by Suda and I just found this out James Gunn yes I didn't know that lollipop chainsaw it's a game about an adult cheerleader very scantily clad (laughs) who holds a, a lollipop in one hand and a chainsaw in the other. And her boyfriend is, is a zombie. dead. He's a dead zombie. So she cut his head off and, and wears him around her, her waist and then yes. fights a bunch of enemies with her big chainsaw while also eating a lollipop. Came out 10 years ago. And apparently it is on its way back. We don't know what this means. Maybe it's a port. Maybe it's a remaster. Maybe it's a sequel or a reboot. We won't know for a while, I'm sure, but apparently it's coming back. And I was surprised to hear this. Yeah, it's... um, A product of its time. (laughs) It definitely... It's it's one of those games that, like, people talk about very fondly, but I feel like when it came out, people didn't really like it that much just because it wasn't, like, revolutionary. It didn't really do anything... Um, like that exciting other than the the main character herself who was very unique to the genre but not the genre but you know what I mean she was she's very unique um, in both <laughs> appearance and personality yeah Um, but I feel like games like this just don't survive into the future because there's not really that high of a demand for them like no one was like oh my god I want to play Lolly- lollipop chainsaw so bad it's like people don't from from my experience, it's I don't know. It's one of those games that you pick up and you play, and then you set it down and you're done. Um, I think that's why I'm fascinated by its return because, like, it's such. I think I want it to come out because it's such a product of its time that I'm kind of like I want a 2012 game to come out in 2023, in like the most unapologetic 2000 early 2010s way. Because games we get today are not similar to Xbox 360 and PS3 games anymore. Like, we've come a long way in 10 years. And I kind of want... I kind of want something dumb. Like, 2010 dumb. Not a lot. But I feel like Lollipop Chainsaw would be a good way to, to achieve that vision that I'm having. Yeah. Also, they if there was, like, a remake or a reboot, they could probably tone it down a bit to make it more, like, reasonable... I think they should go harder. I don't think it should be more reasonable. You don't? No. I think it needs to be ridiculous 
it needs to be silly. I mean, it's called lollipop chainsaw. You know what I mean? Like, we just got to lean in harder. Margot Robbie voiced. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. I mean, Harley Quinn and, like, James Gunn's, uh, what's it called? Suicide Squad. Oh, did he not make the Harley Quinn movie? He didn't. Oh, well, James. But she was in Suicide Squad. Okay. I knew that his vision of her was partially inspired by Lollipop Chainsaw. That makes sense. They're kind of similar characters. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't don't have a lot. Pigtails. Crazy. I don't have a lot to say about it. It's just really, I think it's a really funny, it'd be a crazy thing to come back. Yeah. Speaking of comebacks. Capcom had a little surprise for us uh, last week in uh, in a video broadcast, which was celebrating the 10th anniversary of the game Dragon's Dogma. They announced that they are developing a Dragon's Dogma 2, which is crazy because this is like a 10-year-old game. Um, and we had no idea there was any uh, sequel in the works. Um because we just assumed that it was done. It was like finished property. But yeah, so Dragon's Dogma 2 was announced. Very exciting. I wish we saw footage, but I'm also very excited because I know Dragon's Dogma fans are like super committed to the series. And I guess the remaster did really well. So yeah. it makes sense. But it's still like it's been 10 years and it's been radio silence basically. And now they're releasing a new game. I think that's really cool. I know. I was excited. I played the first Dragon's Dogma back on xbox 360 i played it and i remember it being really really hard and i was like i can't play this but i really enjoyed the rpg mechanics and they had like a it was called like a pawn system where you would build another person and they would like be your little partner um it's kind of hard to explain they were sort of like a homunculus like they weren't really a person but they had they fought with you and they had sort of a predetermined personality that you could choose from based on like interesting i can't remember if the i i I really can't remember the details of it but i remember having a lot of fun it Um, sounds really interesting yeah so i'm excited to uh play this second one now that i have i'm a little bit more experienced as a person with video games um and i probably would enjoy it more because i could get more in depth with it because you know the last one came out when i was 15 16 maybe yeah i can't believe it's been it's wild that it was 10 years ago jeez i i know it's it's absurd another game that was even more than 10 years ago was final fantasy 7 in fact it was 25 years ago and we just had a 25 year celebration broadcast they announced a lot of stuff so i'm going to speed through the less intriguing stuff they showed some merchandise Whoop whoop. They showed some uh downloadable content for First Soldier, the Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale game for mobile that I forget exists regularly. <laughs> they showed a new trailer for Ever Crisis, which is a mobile remake of all the Final Fantasy VII compendium games. So they showed some footage from Final Fantasy VII and Crisis Core and announced that that is indeed going into beta on mobile as planned this year. Um, It also had some interesting CG, like, cinematic 
teases in it, perhaps a young Sephiroth, but we don't know exactly what that means yet. So, and then we saw a trailer for Final Final. <laughs> Stop it! I try Sorry. my best. Sorry. Final Fantasy VII <laughs> Crisis Core Reunion. This is a remake, a visual overhaul of the PSP game. It's coming to PS5, 4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, Steam, and Switch this winter. Uh, I really did not see this one coming. No, me neither. I thought maybe a re-release... Or, like, at the very least, they'll put it on that PlayStation Plus service. But, like, a visual overhaul, a very nice-looking one at that. I'm real excited about this. I think it looks really cool. And I'm kind of glad it's one-to-one because I really like some of the goofiness of Crisis Core. And I think losing that might be a little sad, you know? Yeah. I love Zack. I think he's a great character. Um so I'm excited for this. And I agree. I think it's nice to have a cohesive, like, visual um, through line with, like, Crisis Core, which is a prequel to uh, Final Fantasy VII, um, all the way through, like, the remake and stuff. Because these visuals match the remake more. Yeah. I think um, the character obviously. models are from... My guess would be that the character models are from remake. Because yeah, some I of, mean, like, Aerith... the textures and stuff look a little lesser yeah. quality. Yeah. Aerith... Definitely looks like her model from the remake, but you're right about the textures. They just look a little bit lower quality. Which makes um, sense since it's coming to Switch, too. Yeah. But I'm excited for this um, because I feel like PSP was sort of limiting. A lot of people probably didn't get to play Crisis Core because they didn't have a PSP. Um, so I think it'll be good for new fans to also to be able to play this game and get a more um, like robust image of the story of Final Fantasy VII because it really adds a lot. Yeah. Well, it's probably going to be really important because they also showed off after this the first trailer for the second part of what we now know is the Final Fantasy VII Remake Trilogy. So at the end of this, they announced that the, the remake is going to be a trilogy and they showed the second game titled Rebirth. This trailer shows off a little bit of gameplay, a fair amount of cinematic, no combat in this one, but it opens up on Sephiroth and Cloud walking towards Nibelheim, which is a really good idea because after you get out of Midgar in the original game, the first thing that you experience is a flashback with Cloud and Sephiroth in Cloud's hometown. And I think that's a really cool way to open the game. I presume that's what this is. We didn't see a ton. What we did see was really weird. There seems there's asking like what's fact, what is fiction, what is Sephiroth's endgame. There's a lot of talk about like characters being seen dead and can they change the course of action. There's a certain character at the end of this trailer that is notably dead in the timelines that we understand. But here he is in this Rebirth trilogy, or this Rebirth trailer, excuse me. It's coming 2023, winter 2023, to only PlayStation 5. I'm, I'm pumped. What, are your, what, were, your, what were your gut reactions, Kelly? 
Um, I was also excited. I feel like it's hard sometimes with this remake because it's been split like this into like three parts now. Um, I feel like it's hard to maintain the same level of excitement because when the remake was first announced, it was just like, we never thought they would do it. You know what I mean? Final Fantasy VII is probably the most popular Final Fantasy series, um, if not the most popular. So I guess it was just one of those things that we didn't think was going to happen, and then it did, but then it was like, um, but we're going to stop you right before we get to this point, um, which was disappointing for a lot of people. But I feel like with all the stuff that's coming out in between, um, they've done a pretty good job of maintaining this level of like hype for it. I am also excited for the story because it does sort of look like it might be changing paths. Um, I don't know if they're doing just like an alternate universe thing or if it's like a tease. I don't really know. It but. feels almost like a sequel. And I think a lot of people have said that. And at yeah. this point, I think they're making it pretty obvious that this is like there's some timeline stuff going on. But I think this is also a sequel of sorts. Yeah, it, it doesn't really feel like um, it feels like they've really committed to this different timeline thing, which is interesting because there is sort of a sequel for Final Fantasy seven already. There was a movie, but is it can't I, I mean, is it non canon anymore? I don't know. Anyway, the point is, I'm excited for this. I like to see more Zack. Um, so I'm excited for the Crisis Core thing. I like to see more Sephiroth. So I'm excited for to see more Sephiroth. <laughs> I'm excited for to see more Sephiroth. Well, you'll see Zack and Sephiroth um, in both Crisis Core and Rebirth. So, Right. So we'll see. Lots of I content. think it would be interesting because Sephiroth is sort of a very iconic video game villain. Um so it will be interesting to see the way the perception of him might change based on what we experience in the game. Because it kind of looks like they're trying to make him into like a, I don't really know what they're trying to do. But the way he's in the branding is very interesting to me because it's Cloud and then it's Zack and then it's Sephiroth. Yeah, because like Sephiroth was a good guy in that flashback that this is presumably teasing anyway. But they're also talking about, like, Sephiroth's goals and stuff, which, like, we know. But but appa- right. but them asking that makes me question, yeah, do we know his goals? <laughs> do we know? Maybe Did this- he change the timeline? Maybe, yeah, maybe he's the one that's kind of manipulating the timeline here. But I, I don't know. It's exciting. Exci- it's exciting. I will say, going back to Crisis Core, the-, the reunion, I'm excited to see Tifa in a cowboy hat. And if they take that out, I'm going to be so upset. Well, you'll see because it in Crisis outfit, Core, at least. In Crisis Core, is like a little cowgirl outfit. She wears a cowboy hat. What if they take it out? What if it's like an alternate costume? I am going to say with how one-to-one Crisis Core is looking, I think you're going to see the cowboy hat on Tifa. Thank the Lord. But I, I, I was very excited. It was really cool to see. I was shocked how... Because like, I was like... Oh, they didn't put it in the PlayStation presentation, so obviously they don't have anything too crazy to show, which is why they're all doing their own thing. And I was mentally prepared for just, like, First Soldier, the Battle Royale, and Ever Crisis. And then after that, we got a Crisis Core remake I realistically never would have asked for because I thought that was too much to ask for. And then Rebirth footage, which is coming out just next year. I'm 
really excited. Also, just to go back to like Square Enix's management style now, because we were talking about like Bethesda, I just want to give them props because like they just released Triangle Strategy. They have Live Alive coming out in a couple weeks here. They have Crisis Core Reunion coming out this year. They have Final Fantasy 16 coming out next summer. They have Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth coming out next winter presumably they have Kingdom Hearts 4 coming out sometime the following year, and then I would also guess they probably have Dragon Quest 12 coming out the following year. Like, that's a ton of extremely high-profile games coming out. And yeah. none of them are coming... Well, we don't know how they're going to be exactly, but, like, their track record's really, really good right now. I think they did... Like, Square has really upped their game, I think. Square of Japan, I should say. Yeah. I will say, I think the benefit of games like Final Fantasy sort of not the benefit they have the benefit of being more linear yeah um so not saying that development is easier but there's less accounting for like player choice whereas a lot of bethesda games there is sort of a oh your character did this so now this has to happen um but still yeah the point still stands yeah because it's like two a year versus one every seven years you know yeah it's absurd to say uh we're not going to see elder scrolls 6 i mean it's still in pre-production even though we showed a teaser for it four years ago like what oh that was four years ago that was 2018 you're right yeah oh my word that's just dumb (laughs) like it's literally might be 10 years between that game being revealed and released i think it absolutely will be 10 years i think it might be 11 years (laughs) <laughs> I hate that 2028 is a potential release window for a game we know about right now. I know. Like, Final know. Fantasy VII, the, the remake trilogy will probably be done before Elder Scrolls VI comes out. Yeah. That's hysterical. We'll see, barring any other um, worldwide global pandemics. Don't say that. <laughs> the tonsillitis pandemic. I was about to say that. I'm glad I didn't, though, because I was stupid, so I'll let you take the credit. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. It was very clever, Kelly. I'm going to go. Bye. It was really nice doing this podcast with you. I'm going to read the rest of the news. and and leave. I'm just going to read Kelly's notes about her review at the end of the show with, like, try to guess what she was trying to say. (laughs) I think my notes are pretty cohesive, but... I didn't read them. I wanted to be surprised. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, There is one last little bit of news before we move into uh, our what we've played this week. Um pretty relevant to what we've played this week actually wink <gasps> wink wow. um but reportedly uh the quarry and the game high on life which was announced like two weeks ago um were both slated to be google stadia releases um google stadia was supposed to be the big competitor for playstation and xbox um, <laughs> okay which it is not so uh-huh. um and this is all sort of like up in the air because nobody's really confirmed anything. They were kind of like, uh, no comment, um, which is interesting. But uh, Supermassive Games was looking for a publishing partner uh, for the game, for the quarry. And, uh, and back in 2020, when the game was probably still in pre-production or production, um, Google announced a partnership with Supermassive, uh, but they didn't really go into details. So a lot of people are thinking like maybe this was what they were, the partnership was supposed to be, um, oh. which obviously didn't really happen um, because it's not Stadia. Uh, but anyway, uh, and neither of this is this high on life game, which we really haven't 
gotten that much about other than that little trailer and release announced tra- announcement trailer that we saw like two weeks ago. Um, so, you know, <laughs> Kelly, I'm really glad that didn't happen. Me too. <laughs> Cause like Me too. the quarry turned out pretty good as we'll hear more about in a minute, perhaps. Oh. And high on life is looking really promising and stadia is a good place for a video game to die. <laughs> so I'm really glad that didn't happen. Um, so Kelly, what did you play this week? What did I play this week? Stop. Don't tell me. Because first we're going to have a word from our sponsor. Back again this week, we have a very exciting word from our co-sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Century, a new esports organization from Pittsburgh. Their team runs tournaments from Smash and other video games. Find them on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash pghcentry. That is P-G-H-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Or go to their website, smackcentry.gg. That is S-M-A-K-Century.gg to find out more info about attending or viewing their content. Thank you. Go look, go view upon with your eyes, listen upon with your ears, smell upon with your nose. Don't do that part. All of the fun content. Don't don't do that. That Century has for you. Please. You can't Are you telling me you can't smell? I mean, you could it's just going to smell like her computer screen. Well, Okay. Give it a sniff. Give it a sniff. See how twitch.tv backslash pghcentry. I just said smell tree <laughs> instead of sentry. I'm sorry, sentry. Smentry. Smell tree. View their content at twitch.tv backslash pghcentry. <laughs> so, Kelly, before I cut you off, you were going to tell me what you played this week. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, as mentioned previously, I played a spooky little game called The Quarry. Um, this came out last Friday. Week? Last Yeah, it came out before our E three show, Two but we ago. we saved it. Yeah. Um I played it in like three sessions. I played the couch co op mode with my partner. And it was a very fun. We had a really good time. We got through it in like two days. I think we played a few hours the first day and then we finished it up the second day. What is um, the couch co-op mode? And ta- I didn't know this game had co-op. I mean, feel so, free to cut me off if you're going to talk about it later. I just don't I didn't know that existed. Yeah. So couch co-op is, I think it's been an option in, in most of the supermassive games that have come out. So like Man of Medan, House of Ashes. A little hope. I'm not sure though, so don't quote me on that. But okay. um, it's basically where there are there's a certain amount of characters in the game, and each person picks which character they want to play. Um, so what we did is I played all the girls, he played all the guys, and it tells you to switch the controller over, and then you oh. you know you hit ready when you're ready. So you're basically just passing the controller back and forth between characters, um, which is pretty cool. Um. I had a lot of fun that way. I think these games are often more fun to play with people with another person just because, especially in your first playthrough, because it's really fun to sort of like see what they do in certain situations versus like, oh, I wouldn't have picked that option. But um, it's sort of fun when you like align on certain things. But uh, as with most super massive games, the visual element was very, uh, very well done. Um, obviously these are all motion captured performance by the real life actors and actresses that are in the games. Um, so 
as the years have gone on, obviously you can go back and look at like Until Dawn, which was really their first game, and you can see the mocap and the facial capture versus what it is now. It's obviously, you know, advanced a lot. Um, I thought the characters looked really good. Some of them, I think, had features that maybe were a little bit exaggerated. Um, <laughs> like, for instance, I love Brenda Saw. Uh, she's great. She's in the game as a character. In real life, she's in her 30s. Um, she plays a teenager. So I think they almost tried to make her look a little bit younger. Oh, Which really? they didn't have to try very hard because she looks great. Um, but yeah, it 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 was... Uh, I didn't necessarily feel like she fit in with other characters who looked younger because they were younger in real life. Yeah. Um, so to speak. <clears throat> um, I will not spoil what the monsters are in this game because I feel like it's kind of a fun uh, discovery that you might make very early on into the game. But I thought the design was interesting, very unconventional for what they are. Um, creepy in a way that I kind of wasn't expecting, um, but not so bad as the monsters from Until Dawn, which I've only ever played. Well, I played Man of Medan, but I didn't finish it. And Until Dawn, I thought the monsters in Until Dawn were very scary. Um, these maybe less so, but uh, the cast overall did a great job. I think some people did a lot better than others. I think mocap is kind of a hard thing to do for some actors just because it's something they've never done before. You're in these like ridiculous spandex suits with all these little dots on your face. Uh-huh. But I had some standouts. Um, Siobhan, Siobhan Williams and Skylar Gizondo. Gizondo. Um, they are the first two characters that you sort of encounter. I thought they did a really great job. Um, I think he's a great actor in general. I've seen him in quite a few things, and I think he does a really good job anyway. Um, I thought Ted Raimi was really good, who's another character that you encounter very early on, but he's sort of a horror uh, like mainstay, uh -huh. and obviously he's related to Sam Raimi, so he probably knows scary movies pretty well. <laughs> um, but I thought he did a great job, especially for maybe an actor that has never done anything like this before. And then I thought Miles Robbins did a great job. He plays one of the camp counselors. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think there were any performances that were particularly lacking, but those were the performances that I really enjoyed. Um, the choices to me felt more important throughout the game rather than all culminating to an end choice or to a big um, dramatic conclusion. It felt more like a trickling of choices that changed the way the game happened. Um, I, that being said, I did kind of feel like the ending was a little bit anticlimactic. Um, it didn't give me the same sort of closure that I felt when I played. And I feel bad because I'm just going to constantly be comparing it to Until Dawn, but they are kind of very similar games from the same developer. So it didn't give me the same sense of closure that I had when I played Until Dawn, which was kind of a bummer because you do develop relationships in this game and it's sort of not... Some of them just don't really get any closure, um, which was sort of disappointing to me, uh, especially because there were two characters I really liked and I wanted them to get together, and we don't really know if they do. So, And, you know, in some universes, they might be dead, so it doesn't really matter, <laughs> um, which is like it didn't really motivate me to keep, when I played through a second time on my own, 
it didn't really motivate me to keep anyone alive because I was like, I don't really know what's going to happen to these people afterwards because the game doesn't tell me. So I don't know if I care that much. Um, the music was okay. I felt like the sound design was really good. Um, but I just kind of wish the music added to it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of pe- a lot of people's experience with this might be through like watching walkthroughs or like YouTubers play it. So um, the songs will be different because there is a streamer mode where it plays non-copyrighted music, supposedly non-copyrighted music. Um, so I, I feel like the music that I got in my playthrough fit a little better than the music that I've seen in some walkthroughs and stuff, but... Oh, I see what you, that's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but, um, I, judging the, on the title and what we saw before, I thought it was going to be a bit, bit more campy, a bit, no pun intended, <laughs> and a bit more pulpy, but it, it really wasn't as campy or pulpy as I thought it was going to be. It was a little bit silly, and I feel like some things you really had to suspend your disbelief, which is part of the fun. It, like, in the Evil Dead, when you know Bruce Campbell chops off his hand and it's just like everything's fine he's not like dying from bleeding out it's kind of it's kind of like that but not quite as silly like they're not quite as like referential i don't know if that makes any no, sense no that makes i understand what you're saying yeah um that being said i do feel like they could have leaned in a little bit harder and it would have been a little bit more fun but i think sometimes Games like this want to avoid certain tropes just because they want to be a little bit different, which I can respect. Um, Like I said, it is very similar to Until Dawn in that it's the same developer, the same kind of story. You're keeping a bunch of dumb teenagers alive, um, and you don't really like a lot of them at first, but then you sort of grow to become more affectionate towards them. Maybe you don't. I kind of (laughs) did. But I also felt like the replay value of this game was pretty high, um, in terms of the choices that you can make throughout. So, like, there's a character, he didn't do this, and because he didn't do that, he went here. But if he had done this, he would have gone here instead, and I never got to see that. Um, I'm trying to be really, like, spoiler-free here. <laughs> but it's hard because I'm, like, constantly thinking of, like, he did this, and then this happened, and it's like, I don't want to get too specific. But anyway, yeah. I wish... There was an option to skip certain scenes and dialogues because sometimes it can be hard to like replay the game and sit through all the same stuff um, unless you like really radically change the way that you like answer questions or have certain characters interact with other characters. Sometimes you do get the same scenes and it's like, all right, let's let's keep it moving. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to get some of these kids uh, eaten. Oh, Um, oh. Because sometimes, like, on your first playthrough, you're like, I got to keep everyone alive. But then on your second playthrough, you're like, well, what happens if I just, you know, get everybody <laughs> eaten? Um, I would definitely recommend this game. I think the price point is fine. I got the PS5 version, so it was like 70 bucks. But I've gotten a lot. I got a lot of joy and entertainment out of it, um, even though it's relatively short. Like I said, it does have good replay value, and it's really, really fun to play with another person. Um, it's not really as scary as I was expecting. Uh, there weren't like a ton of jump scares. I think there were only like two or three. Um, but it was still spooky and I feel like it was atmospheric and I enjoyed that. So I would recommend this for lovers of spooky games and anybody who liked Until Dawn or any of the Supermassive games. Um, 
the Dark Pictures anthology games, you will definitely like this one because, in my opinion, it's better than all of those other than Until Dawn. I'm really excited to play it myself. This That was a very good, re- glowing review. Thank you. Um, I, I have a copy on its way f- to the library right now, so I will be playing it soon. It's just I'm sorry, I would let you borrow it, but I don't have the disc version. Oh, that's fine. The library will let me borrow it as well. And they'll let me borrow I can borrow it for like eight weeks, and I don't even feel guilty. To the library. Are you there yet? Are you at the library yet? I just arrived. They, I have your copy of the quarry, and I am on the way. They let you have it? Yeah, I just said, hi, I'm Kelly of Talking Games with Kelly and, oh. and they were like, oh, here you go. Right, oh, press, course. here you go. <laughs> <laughs> press. Just kidding. Media? Media. <laughs> we are a podcast. So, Andrew? Yes? What did you play this week? I played quite a few things. So thanks to that new PlayStation Plus premium service, there's a few games I got to try. <laughs> I played some of Moving Out which is a goofy little game where you play as little little dudes who are moving furniture out of a house into a into a truck. It's uh, very akin to Overcooked, if you've played anything like that. Um, my partner and I were playing it quite a bit on PS5, and it started to get a little frustrating. And my recommendation is turning on some of like the easy mode settings, because I think this game should be fun and goofy, and like intense time restrictions make that a lot less fun. Uh, but I'm a big fan of like the visuals. I think it's very soft and nice to look at. And I think it's just goofy. And I should I love laughing at games like this. Uh, I love laughing. Speaking of Overcooked, I played Overcooked 2 also on this service. Uh, I like this even more. I think it's a lot more strategic, but still goofy and fun. Uh, it's the kind of game where if you and your partner are able to play without getting angry at each other, this is prob- that's probably the best way to play it. Um, because it can get a little frustrating at times, but when you solve, like when you get a flow going of making these recipes, it feels really fantastic. And I am loving the game. I'll give more detailed impressions of both those games. Once I have finished them, I played a little bit of rock of ages three. This is a game where you play as a, a boulder rolling down a hill oh to smash into a, a castle. I played Rock of Ages 1 on PlayStation Plus, like, I want to say, like, 10 years ago. Not important enough to research it, though. <laughs> and I knew they made a second and third game, but it never got around to them. I loved the first game when I played it as a young as a young child of 15 or whatever I was. A youngling? Yeah, a youngling. And then this with. third game, uh, I didn't really like... <laughs> Oh. The visual style is like a very like it's like uh it looks like a flash animation version of a like a renaissance painting oh. which I really liked as a kid but it gets old really quickly and it's not really funny a second time and this is the third game so I didn't even play the second one um the the com like rolling down a hill as the boulder is fun and if it was just that with very little in between, I think I would have had a lot more fun. But there's also a tower defense mode that I found substantially less fun, and it's like half the game now. And also the cutscenes I think are terrible and not fun to look at. So uh, I don't recommend this one. Sorry. Oh yeah, it does look a bit. It's kind of it's like funny-ish. I thought the first one was a lot funnier, but I was also ten years younger, so maybe that's why. 
I played I Am Bread. It's funny because there's an indie game that I plan on playing called I Am Dead. And I downloaded that one as well because it's also on the PlayStation Plus Premium. Um, but I saw I Am Bread and I said, well, that's close enough. So I downloaded that. I played one level. I was like, this is hilarious. I'm loving this. And then I got to the second level and it became frustrating and difficult. And I said, I'm I'm done. It's like a <laughs> physics game where you control each corner of your bread with like one of the triggers or bumpers and you try to roll to your destination. Uh, it's like a lot like Goat Simulator and games like that where like the physics are goofy and that's supposed to be the joke. Mm-hmm. But similar to those games, in my opinion, uh, there's nothing to get out of it. Makes for good mm-hmm. YouTube content for the people playing it, but I don't like playing it myself. So don't recommend that one either. But again, all of these were on the PlayStation Plus Premium, so I didn't have to pay anything extra. Uh, Another thing that I did not pay anything for was the Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes demo. Kelly talked a little bit more about this last week because it came out last week, but I have gotten around to playing it finally. I played like four hours of one route, and I'm almost done with it. And then I started the other two routes as well. Um, little tease for some of our more hardcore audience. I'm going to talk about this not very much because I'm developing a YouTube channel. <gasps> and this will be the first game that I cover. <laughs> what she said. <laughs> well, so I said on the podcast, so now I really have to do it. Yeah, you've committed now. I'm committed. This is like public information now. (laughs) But my big review of the week is a game that came out the same day as The Quarry, but for the Nintendo Switch, and that is Mario Strikers Battle League, the new sports game, soccer game, football game, if you live in other countries. (laughs) Um, More like Mario Strikers Bad League. Oh. So let's get right into it. The visuals of this game are insane. The models are very, very amazing. The music is really good. The animations are some of the best I have ever seen on Switch. Actually, some of the best I've seen in any game. They're so inspired, and there's just so much life in every animation. I love it a lot. Uh, the characters have so much personality. It really feels like you're seeing these characters in some of like their purest forms, and I love it a lot. The base gameplay is very fun. It's fast, extremely fast, and it's satisfying when you're in the flow. Um, it should be fun for couch multiplayer. So, like, if you want to play rounds with with a friend or a partner, this is this is a good game for that, probably. I did not do that, though. I played it alone because I like playing solo. And the single-player content in this game is very bad. Uh, there are no modes. There are just... There's online cups, or there are cup battles, as they're called. And that is six cups with three rounds each. And once you finish those, you've beaten the game. It's extremely easy. I did not lose a single match. It got to the point where I would play really hard for like two minutes and get super far ahead. And then I'm slightly ashamed to admit it. I would just set the controller down and let the game play itself. Because like even if the other team was scoring goals, it would not be enough to catch up to me. And they really didn't seem to try. I finished the entire game in about two hours. There are only ten characters, which is really sad because the previous games had more than that. 
and that was on the Nintendo Wii. Uh, the customization means that the characters can look different, which is nice, but that's not really enough to warrant the already tiny roster. This game just feels unfinished. It feels like enormous swaths of content were either being held off for free DLC down the line, or they just don't exist. And the lack of a campaign is just absurd. And again, that holding things off for DLC doesn't justify a game that feels rushed or like unfinished. And it's a shame because this game has so much personality. Like you're like in this space soccer league. The characters are better animated than they've been in almost any other Nintendo game. The style is so cool. And it has like those the striker, the hyper strike shots, which are amazing to look at. But even those, they lose their luster really quickly because they're really easy to pull off. And then if you fail even like a little bit, it's really easy to block them. So it kind of means nothing. And also there's only 10 characters, meaning there's only 10 animations to see anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It was really disappointing because like I loved the Mario Soccer games on we and especially the GameCube one, I hold a lot of very fond memories of. So I was very disappointed that this game came out as it did. Uh, I didn't pay full price for it. I was able to rent it from my library, thankfully, because that's the only way I could recommend this game, really. If you're going, if you're really excited about playing online with people, joining those battle leagues that exist and playing on the couch with friends, this, this is probably going to be a good time for you. But if you're at all interested in solo content, this is not the game to get. $60 only gets you two hours of content, and it's not even a good two hours. It's just boring matches with nothing interesting, and they're so easy. And it unlocked hard mode after, and I got excited thinking it would be like something else, but it was the same exact six cups. It's like, well, that's not, that doesn't even, if it's new cups with new like players, at least that's something interesting, but nope. So, color me disappointed. Oh, I feel like this is one of like the most overt disappointment disappointments as far as like reviews we've done on the show. Yeah, because I was excited for this. I know that's a bummer. Well, it's also like if you think about their other like sports properties. Well, I guess just like Mario Kart, but it's like the roster for Mario Kart is huge. It's crazy to me that they couldn't somehow carry that over, except unless they're saving characters for DLC. But even then, like. 10 characters is no make it like though. make it like 15 to 20 at least because i know each character takes a lot of work because they all have incredible animations but let's be honest like it wouldn't be surprising if there's a june 29th direct if they released like a new character then which would prove oh that character was done why right. isn't it just in the game i would almost prefer because like the same thing with the tennis and the the golf mario games that came out i would almost prefer that they just release all of that free DLC with the game, and if it comes out six months later because of that, so be it, and then save more interesting stuff for paid DLC down the line. Because then you have a much better base product, and the DLC can be more substantial than just, like, a new character. And also, every map on this one is, like, identical. It's visually a little different, and it changes, like, the music, which is cool. But it looks... Or it functions identically, so adding new maps wouldn't even do anything to this game. Mm, that's a bummer. Yeah, if there was a single player campaign, maybe I would have liked it a little more, like kind of like Mario Tennis Aces, which was basic, but at least existed. I don't know. I really didn't expect this to be so downhill from other 
games. I was just so disappointed. So I'm sorry. It's okay. I didn't again. Thank goodness I am fortunate enough that I don't have to pay for it when with a game like this. Because if I did, I would have left very sad. Yeah. So. Well, Kelly. Episode fifty one. 5150 fun. We had so much like news and stuff last week. It was like almost a 2-hour episode and we were in a rush to get through things. And we didn't even mention that it was episode 50. <laughs> we said like, "Oh, it's another year." Like, "Oh, it's this right. it's year 2." But I feel like we should have at least once mentioned it was episode 50. I know. Shame well, on us. Shame on it's us. 51. 50 50 fun. 51. Are you scratching your head or pointing to your head like you're smart? I was scratching my head. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to in- <laughs> to divulge that information to the audience. It's okay. I was having like a monkey moment, like scratching my head and eating a banana. Yeah. Do monkeys get tonsillitis? Probably. Ugh. Well, I don't know. Do they have tonsils? Probably. Monkeys are basically just people. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, let's Google. Can monkeys... Get tonsillitis. Oh, I just I googled do monkeys have tonsils? Monkeys have tonsils. <gasps> they can. That's so sad. Oh no, they don't. They don't have tonsils? No, they don't have tonsils. What is this saying then? Rhesus oh. monkey tonsil tissues. Do what monkeys that? have tonsils? This is uh, not the direction I expected. <laughs> Do monkeys have tonsils? Fun trivia. In Threats humans, of humans, the term go- is used oh. to designate any of three sets of tonsils, most commonly the palatine, palatine tonsils. Proper tonsils are absent in the rat and pigeon. What about the monkey? Sheeps, goats, rabbits, and dogs have them. Let me just Google oh, yeah. full list of animals with tonsils. <laughs> I promise we're almost done, guys. I promise. I have tonsils. My tonsils are really big. Mine too. I mean, mine are just big, though. Not due to illness. No, no, no. Mine are big all the time, so when they get sick, they get really big. Oh, okay. I'm sure you're the same exact way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have just got them removed. I guess you still could. Do you get tonsil stones? Yes. I don't. Oh. I always thought I would, but I've never gotten one. Unless okay. I had and just didn't know. Okay, so so before we wrap this up, um, <laughs> I think this is the list of animals that have tonsils as we know them. Okay. Sheep, goat, ox, pig, horse, dog, cat, rabbit, rat, and pigeon. Oh. I thought rats and pigeons didn't have them. They're not exactly the same. They're not visible, so they must be, like, inside the walls of the throat. Interesting. Because, like, rabbit have them, but you can only see them, only see some of them. Because we have six, but, like, there's the two that you see, I think. I was going to say, we must have some hidden ones. I think. Down the throat. I really hope that there's at least one very, like, medically active listener who's just like, you guys are so wrong. (laughs) <laughs> if somebody uses like, this <laughs> I want us these people are idiots I want us cited in a in like a academic document and this <laughs> and it's like the link is this episode and it's like starts at 51 minutes <laughs> that'd be funny 
I think we should. And for any of you listeners who um, perhaps are writing medical journals or plan on contributing to any meta, um, zoology journal, uh, journal um, please cite us as um, monkey tonsil experts. That was so... I thought my, monkeys don't have tonsils. Monkey non-tonsil experts. <laughs> Kelly, you did a real good job of selling us. <laughs> Thanks. I thought so. Um, perhaps we should let the audience go. Because yeah. right now we're currently heavily discussing tonsils. Yeah, I guess we should maybe call it. Um, this episode's <laughs> a little shorter than last week's two-hour extravaganza. Thankfully, because somebody has tonsillitis. What if I was saying it like I didn't know that I already said it twice? <laughs> like it was a reveal. So A Nintendo Direct to reveal Andrew's tonsillitis. Whoa, no, thank you. Wait, what? Like they're just gonna it's just gonna be Reggie, who's not even working for Nintendo, is gonna come up and be like, Andrew has tonsillitis, and then it'll just fade to black and it'll have like the little copyright <laughs> and it's the longest list we've ever seen in a direct. It's like Capcom, Square Enix, Toby Fox, like everybody you can think of that could possibly be in a direct. Todd Howard. Todd, just Todd Howard, not Bethesda. (laughs) I hate that. Okay. Minecraft is coming to Steve, or Minecraft Steve is coming to Smash. Minecraft Steve is coming to your tonsils. Thanks everybody for listening. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.